Hello, and welcome to the Episodic Audiobook Series, where I, Con Lavery, read to you books that I wrote, narrated, and did the improv music for. For this season, we are covering Cultivate, Seed Me Relapse Edition, and if you haven't caught uh, episode one, you might want to check that out and see why it's the Relapse Edition and uh, what's happening in the story of Cultivate, because it's a bit of a creepy one in the first episode. Uh, Logan went through some stuff, so a little strange uh, interaction at the back of the bar where he made out with some spooky goth girl. Now we're going to continue to see what happens the following morning. Chapter 2. Unpleasant Morning After. Pain. Only pain pulsates through my forehead as I breathe the harsh air into my dry throat. The hangover, I think. It doesn't help that this room is boiling even in the fall with the sun beaming through the cheap half-melted blinds. Morning. I'm home, on my couch beside the dozen or so beer bottles Skip and I pre-drank before the bar. Any good night has pre-drinks. Last evening was not so terrific. What the hell happened? I rub my head. This headache is nasty. Victory. At least I silenced my mind for a little while so I could sleep. I have no memory of making it home last night. Great. No depressive rambles. So, I suppose the alcoholic binge was a success with the side effects of a killer hangover. Obviously, my smooth moves didn't go so well with that girl last night. Skip did well. His shoes are kicked in the hall along with the hippie's leather boots. That Janet chick's dress is on the ground. Further down, their door is partially open with a lime green bra just by the frame. Ugh. I sigh. Bridge of my nose aches as I twitch my nostril, making a crinkle as flakes of dry blood crumble off each rim. Along with that, my eyebrows are tender too. Right, the dumpster. Weirdo launched me into the air. She had both hands on me, and then a third? I spring up, now realizing I still have my coat and shoes on. Morning, princess, Skip says, shirtless, exposing dozens of tattoos on his pasty chest. He's in the kitchen, just behind the TV. He puts a pot into her instant coffee maker, filling the air with the bold scent of recovery juice. The whole night is quite evident in my memory, despite the drinking and face smashing. I rub my cheek. There's a scab on my face too. I wonder if it looks as bad as it feels. What time is it? I ask. Eleven or something? Skip plops himself on the couch beside me. He's just in his... Pussy wetter, boxers, as he calls them. I know, original name. They're his most expensive, high quality, pink underwear. Apparently, chicks go crazy over them. He'd say the bra from his bedroom door is proof. I think girls actually dig the tattoos covering his body from neck to toe, but that's my opinion. Look at you, Skip says, having a wild night and all. Glad you listened to me for once. Yeah, a wild night. I say, eyeing his coffee. Give me that. I snag the cup and gulp down the steaming brew. Now, I notice my wrists peeking through the jacket cuff. The skin is punctured, circular, where the girl gripped me. She must have been holding something. There's no way that was done by her nails or a needle. It doesn't look infected and I'm not high. There are no abnormal pains. What is it? Could have asked for one dipshit, Skip says, getting up to make another coffee. It takes me a moment to realize what he is referring to. Sorry, left my manners back at the bar when I was thrown against the dumpster. 
That explains your fucked up face. You picking fights? I tried to bring that chick back here, and she threw me against the dumpster. You hear me come home? Nah, maybe ask Janet. I was passed out after we porked. Skip checks to see if Janet is around. He lowers his voice. She's fine, man. An ass like nothing else. Fair enough. She's sleeping? I ask, looking around. Shower. We're getting grub. You in? Yeah, that might help. Rock on. Skip gazes at the ceiling, reliving his triumphant evening. Damn, she's fun. Great sized tits. I lose interest. Now infatuated with the puncture on my arm. On closer inspection, several puncture holes weren't too deep but did scab over, forming a ring. No way. Drainer. Rings. Blood. Emily. Coincidence? I checked my coat to see her second arm punctured the jacket. Huh. She pricked my tongue too. It was so brief. I only felt one poke. I run my finger against my tongue. The spot is raw and tender. The weirdo wasn't high at all. She knew what she was doing with those robotic motions in her three arms. I'm tipping, and I'm completely sober. Skip laughs, sitting by me again, breaking me free from my never-ending mind chatter. Okay, so he got knocked out by a chick? Looks like it. She was something else, dude. Terrible kisser. She tasted like blood. Who knows? Some folks can't handle their party supplies. I don't buy that. I want to tell Skip about the ring on my wrist. However, I already know what he will say. He doesn't want to hear anything about the 420 draining. He's so sick of my problems. I'll ponder over this, ramp up the overthinking, and see if I can find out anything else. I say, still, strange night. Feels like I was hit with a log. Maybe I did drink too much. Drinking and bruises will do that. Skip snags a pack of cigarettes and lighter from the table. He lights it and inhales. Dude, what's the deal? I try to swat his smoke, but he blocks me with his forearm. Larry will lose his shit, and the neighbors, they'll bitch. Who cares, man? This place is a dump. Old Larry won't kick us out. Larry, our landlord, who seems to always be around, yet never actually manages people correctly. He avoids confrontation like a cowering rat. He's impossible to deal with and is demanding on rent while micromanaging how we live. A few months ago, a prime example of this guy was when the whole band, myself, Skip, Seb, and Jake, got back here after midnight, cracked open some drinks, and decided to do some blow. Minus Seb. I can thank Skip for keeping me in check. So, we only do lines on occasion. So yeah, when I said I stopped that small episode of blow, that was a lie. Whatever. It's justified. Anyway, we were getting a little rowdy with our video game. Larry happened to be working on some plumbing issue in the suite above. That's right, on a Friday. Working on some plumbing at midnight. Who is this guy? Unfortunately for us, that's the type of landlord he is. He heard us, stopped what he was doing, and came to our suite. He knocked on the door and we frantically hid the fluff. He chatted with us for at least half an hour about how he is fixing the plumbing upstairs, he said his back was sore, and he had to run errands today, and this and that, and on and on he went. I wasn't stupid. He prolonged the conversation to see if we were up to anything abnormal, but he didn't have the balls to tell us directly or ask us to be quiet. Skip thinks he is just that stupid. I don't believe it. I think Larry knows what he does but can't ever confront anyone. Either way, the guy is a pain in the ass.
I just hate dealing with Larry, I say. Don't worry, I'll take care of him next time and you can go your merry way. Skip grabs the remote and flicks the TV on, giving us something to do while waiting for Janet in the shower. He flips through the channels while I lean back on the couch, sipping coffee. The rambling thoughts continue despite my will. That weirdo. Her neck. I swear there was blood and mangled flesh. What about the other hand, that squishy one? The jerky mechanical movements aren't like how people act on drugs. E maybe, but not like this. It's something else. The world is full of surprises and anyone who claims they've got it all figured out is an idiot. Logan, dude, I got it figured out, Skip says, stopping the TV on Channel 8, the news. What? With the band. I had this amazing epiphany while boning Janet. She wanted to hear our music, so I turned it on and it got me thinking about the album and how to get Jake and Seb to agree. Oh? Jake wants to do his own thing and explore his shredding guitar, right? Yeah, his obsession with technicalities isn't what we're about. That's for metal bands, and he's a metalhead at heart. I take a deep breath, half interested in the conversation. My mind keeps trailing back to the weirdo. Her skin was so cold to the touch, like a corpse. I had too much booze. This is just a depressive state of post-drinking. That must be it, Skip says. No, not a metal band, for the actual album. I've seen Jake's skills when we were doing that punk project. We can have him do an epic closing track, you know? I shrug. What about Seb? Jake is the easy one to convince if he gets to play more. Seb thinks we should introduce some electronics and dancier tracks. Skip nods. I know. I think he's more interested in the popularity of it than the music itself. He knows the business and trends. That's why we trust him. But I'm with you, man. I don't think we should evolve our sound that way. We got a good thing. We do. I don't know why Seb wants these boring-ass four-step drum lines like oonch, oonch. So lame. Seb is a way better drummer than that bullshit. He's a talented dude, always thinking ten steps ahead. Yeah. Straight-laced and clean. Stroking his ego and he isn't even here? It's true, dude. He keeps that calm, collected manner. That is something I admire. He's got his own house and a girl he likes. Hold that thought. I say, turning up the TV. Skip listens, puffing his cigarette. This girl is hot, eh? Ah, yes, the anchor woman. It really doesn't matter to Skip what type of girl they are, making it hard to take his opinion seriously. Almost anything that's the opposite sex gets him going. A blonde anchor woman and a blazer is not my type. At the moment, nothing is. My focus is on what she is saying. Last night, the police made a shocking discovery in the back of a Chevy Silverado. Near 99th Street and 82nd Avenue, the police pulled over a suspicious pickup truck for speeding, but what at first appeared to be a routine stop turned sinister when the body of a young woman was discovered in the back, hidden under a tarp. The police took 42-year-old Donald Waite, the driver of the vehicle, in for questioning. He claims he was unaware of the body. Skip laughs. Poor shit. A corpse stinks. And the way that one was mutilated, you'd smell it. You saw it? Yeah, man, it was butchered. The TV flips to a live reporter at the scene by the auto repair shop with crime scene tape around the area. The truck is in clear view. The reporter points behind him. Thanks, Amy. I'm standing in front of the auto repair shop where the police first found the body last night. 
The police are in full investigation of the case and, through rapid blood testing, have identified the brutally dismembered body of the girl as 21-year-old Victoria Smith of Edmonton. From the brief report I have gotten, we understand that the head is missing from the body. The characteristics of the remnants do match those of the infamous strain cases, and police are asking anyone with any leads to come forward. The channel splits into two views. The left, with the reporter and the right, showcasing a photo of a pale, thin girl with straight black hair and long bangs reaching just over her eyebrows. My hairs stand as I choke on my coffee, barely catching myself from spraying the drink. I cough several times, clearing my throat, and stare at the girl on screen. No way. You alright man? Skip asks. I ignore him, leaning closer to the screen, forgetting to blink. The girl's photo is a typical selfie shot, probably pulled from social media. You can make out the distinctive lips and the narrow chin matching the weirdo last night. Same straight black hair, same light skin tone, same bangs. It can't be her. The time didn't line up. I say, dude, was I at the bar still when the cops found the body? Yeah. Do you know her? Skip asks. You saw me with that gal in the back of the bar, right? I saw you had some girl, but didn't see much else. Why? That was the chick that gave me this, I point out my eye. She's the one on the news, just now. Get out of here, man. For real, that was her. Sure you weren't piss-faced and stumbled into the dumpster? You were pretty sloshed. I brushed my shaggy hair aside, looking back at the photo on the TV. Yeah, I was, but I wasn't blackout drunk. The washroom door flies open, and there's the hippie chick, Janet wearing Skip's SNFU t-shirt and the same leggings from last night. Her makeup is gone, giving us a better look at her youthful face. She's tapping away on her phone, walking into the kitchen. Morning, Skip says, eyes undressing her. Hey, she says with a croaky voice. I'm so fucking hungry. You boys good? Skip finishes his cigarette. Yeah, totally. Get this though. Logan thinks that gal he was making out with was the dead girl found in the back of the truck. Janet squints. Huh? I down the rest of my coffee and stand. I'm serious. It was her. Janet, you saw the girl I was with. Janet shakes her head, snagging her scattered belongings. I'm not awake enough for this. Nothing at all? I ask. I mean, yeah, why? What'd she look like? Black hair? I don't know. I exhale frustration. There's nothing to go on. No photos from last night. No names. No ideas. Nada. I know that girl on the news is the weirdo I made out with last night. Skip and Janet just have my word, which considering the circumstances, looks like shit. Even I know that. Skip says, It couldn't have been her, man. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right, I say in defeat. Let's just get something to eat. I must be overreacting. The logic doesn't add up. The girl from the news was already headless and mutilated in the back of the truck when I went out back for the smoke. I'm just having a hard time grasping it. I remember her face distinctively. Then you add the obscure behavior, her taste, her arm or thrice arms, and this ring around my wrist all reignite my interest in the 420 draining. Maybe I've stumbled upon the missing puzzle piece. Maybe I'm connecting new clues into Emily's death. Maybe, just maybe. There was a reason I used to take a lot of lines. It was no small binge. I know that's sober. Imagine if I was explaining this to the cokeheads I used to party with. They'd probably believe me.
whoa, that is pretty bizarre for Logan that uh, the chick was on the news and no one's going to believe him for good reason because it's a pretty whacked story, but he's uh, he's pretty sure what he saw and he doesn't have much else to do because there's nothing else in his life. Logan's uh, in quite the situation um, and it doesn't get any better. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be horror. So if you enjoyed this, check out uh, the next episode, episode three, or you can grab the whole audiobook, the whole print book, or the whole ebook on Audible, Amazon, all those great places. And definitely check out the Patreon for more great short stories. Share this around, show the support, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Take care. Ciao.